0: Hi there, welcome and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. My guest today is the great John Reap. He is a comedian out of Hickory, North Carolina. He's had an incredible career. He won last comic standing, and he just recently moved from Los Angeles back to Hickory to be with his family initially. And uh, while he's there, he fell in love got this whole new life happening, and he's continuing to tour the country and be in movies and TV shows, and he's one of the most likable people I've ever met in my entire life. This podcast was recorded at the Orange Peel in the green room before and between two shows that I got to do with John here in Asheville, North Carolina, and I got to tell you, I had no idea how it was going to go. I didn't know if his fans would like me. And uh, the first set, they loved me. The second set, they liked me. (laughs) It was a very noticeable difference, Uh, partly because I did different material for the second set. and It just wasn't right for them. But I wanted to see if I could pull it off. And I felt like I got what I wanted from the first set. I got the response I wanted, and I got to prove myself. And so in the second set, I went out to see if my material could carry me some of this other stuff that may or may not be right for them. And I learned exactly what I thought would happen, which is that they didn't love it. But if you were to watch it, you would think I did okay. But if you were in the room or in my body at the time, you would know it was pretty painful. Anyway, John Reeve is just a really nice guy. Um, I can't say enough good things about him, and they'd all be genuine. I mean, I just, one of the things, one of the takeaways, and I think you'll hear it when you listen to this is just what a genuinely kind and generous person he is. And he really listens and he was interested in me. And I kept trying to keep the conversation on him, but he very genuinely wanted to know who I was and wouldn't let me not answer questions about myself on my own podcast. So for those of you who listen regularly, I'm sorry you'll have to hear some of that stuff again, but uh, I think you'll really like listening to John. And if you do like the podcast, you know what to do. Go on iTunes, rate us, review us, somewhere on Amazon, you might be able to support us. I don't think so anymore. I think uh, we do have PayPal and you know, if you like the podcast, just send me money. (laughs) I'm broke and I love doing this thing and it's very expensive and time consuming, but it's worth it because it's one of the most meaningful projects I do. And I get to have these incredible conversations with people I admire, like today's guest, John Reap. It's just your first time doing my podcast. It's, yes. This Dude, is what it is. so happy about it, too. Yeah, me too. I
1: mean, I'm glad we uh, finally got to hook this up. I know uh, we talked about it in Charlotte.
0: Yeah, we talked about it in Charlotte, and uh, I was trying to do it ne- last time you were in town, and it just could not happen, yeah, man.
1: It was what, just. I forgot
0: what the was. Oh, you were so busy, and there were just so many things happening. There was no doing
1: That's it. That's a nice, all this, uh, that whole box you got over there. So. Oh, dude, this thing's the shit. The focus, right? You can scarf. put everything in there, huh? Yeah, anything.
0: You can run any kind of instrument, whatever yeah. you want.
1: i got a, a little Zoom recorder that oh, I yeah. use when I travel, but uh, the podcast I've been doing lately, well, we'll get into it. Are you, are you we're rolling? into it, man. Oh, we're rolling. Oh. Yeah, just just talk to me. Yeah, uh, I didn't uh, know. okay. I don't know. I didn't know there's a big like. you thing. No. Yeah, are yeah, yeah. you listening to John Reap? Okay, cool.
0: The man uh, with the Hemi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there is that. That's true. They I gave you one finally, that one right? Never dies. Yeah. <laughs> that one the Hemi thing. Uh, I'll, that'll probably be. In the obituary, even though I don't want it to. Yeah, the one thing you'd like <laughs> Someone to. Someone will be like, turns out he never had a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one for a little while. Yeah, I did uh, six of those commercials, you know, from like 2002 to about 2000. And let's see here, six or seven or something like that. And uh, on the third one, my I, I told my, before the third one, right? I called up my commercial agent. And I said, hey... Um, if dodge wants to do another commercial see if you can get a vehicle out of them why not yeah okay all right um so he he's a good agent you know he calls them up like right then he goes oh okay so he calls them up and he goes hey i don't know if you know this but your spokesman for your dodge hemi campaign is driving around Los Angeles right now in a Suzuki sidekick. (laughs) That is not okay for so many (laughs) reasons. So he made it look like (laughs) an image problem for them. Yeah, totally. They go, what? Oh, okay. And then they sort of scrambled. The next day, I went down to uh, Huntington Beach Dodge and got me a brand new Dodge Ram 1500 quad cab uh black chrome wheels i loved it for a good year and a half i actually did enjoy that truck
0: did it come with a free gas card man because that sounds
1: <laughs> no it should have
0: that sounds like an expensive gift
1: in los angeles it, it, the gas is high yeah right? it does guzzle a lot of gas because it was the first run of the hemis before they had this mds which is like a gas saving measure or something that i, I don't know how it works but and it's a huge truck so it, I couldn't park that thing anywhere. Oh, you man. You know I would show up to the comedy store, and I got one tiny little lot back there. Right. And people would be like, really, man? <laughs> <Can> <laughs> where's you the sidekick? <laughs> yeah, where's the sidekick? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, it, it didn't last long.
0: Oh yeah, it's just too impractical. Yeah, too big. And you gotta drive. I mean, L.A. It's like it's twenty minutes to go to the nearest place. Yeah, it's so crazy. I lived in L.A. for sixteen years before I moved here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where were you at? I was in Hollywood. I had a little guest house in the Hollywood Hills, mm-hmm. and it was a great spot. Um, I don't know when in your career you moved to L.A.
1: Two thousand.
0: Um. So were you pretty launched by then, or were you starving no. as a comic? No, so
1: I, I hadn't no TV appearance. Uh, I just started his before everything. Like I was a a good feature act. Okay. And I had done well in some competitions and festivals along the way. I hadn't headlined yet. I, I had a headline randomly when the headliner didn't show up at a club for the minimum wage headlining fee that you could get. Right. Whatever yeah. That was and that, $9 an hour. Yeah. yeah, Same <laughs> as the feature. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. Like, just do more time. Just, and, just uh, don't get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> just
0: and, just like stretch yeah, for another 40 right. minutes. Like
1: literally if you're out of material, just start doing stretches. Yeah. Just lay down and touch your toes. <laughs> <We laughs> do yoga. Let the audience leave for another 15 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was that, I mean, I moved there and, uh, right away within about three weeks no maybe six probably like three months maybe i got a college agent and the colleges is what got me to a headliner status okay but but when i got to la no credits nothing i knew a buddy who knew a buddy who needed a roommate and i didn't meet this guy i didn't even know who my roommate was going to be when i got there i showed up and i was introduced by the friend and uh, he's like all right well Take it easy. I hope you get and along. Here's this me with this stranger and I'm living in that place in Los Feliz.
0: How did that go? Was it he cool? Was
1: okay. He was a little he had anger issues. Okay. Yeah, he had a quick temper.
0: Okay, that's not fun.
1: No, he was an actor from Texas, but had been living there for a while. You might recognize him. I forgot what he does a lot of Western type stuff. Okay. And uh pretty pretty successful. Nothing major though, but you know, auditions like every other actor. But he uh he would get mad at the at the at the most random stuff. Like I remember, he said, uh, "All right, here's the deal with the ice trays in the freezer. Um, whenever you uh, take an ice cube out, go ahead and empty the whole thing and refill it and put it back in. Or don't just take one cube out and put it back." I go, "Okay, well that's logical. Yeah. I understand that." And uh, well, you know, sometimes I'm in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> And I forgot to do that one time. I thought I just need one cube, and I just did it real quick, and I had to run out the door. And then I'm sitting in the living room with a friend, and I remember him, and I heard him in the kitchen going, "God damn it, God, <laughs> God damn it!" <laughs> he was angry. He came in there shaking an ice tray at me, and I'm like, "This dude's gonna kill me in my sleep over ice." Yeah, over ice. And then one time, he was—I uh, heard him cussing out the remote control like he was just by himself in the living room, just cussing out the remote, just banging it. And I walked in there. And uh, I noticed that he was pointing it at himself, which is why it wasn't working. Oh. And he didn't know. He couldn't really see that good. So yeah. I just walked over. I, just, I tiptoed. I said, Joe, don't be mad at me. I just want to show you one thing. And I picked it up, and I turned it around. And he just... Uh. <laughs> Looked at me like I should kill you. But she helped me. <laughs> this almost evens us out. <laughs> yeah. So shout out Joe Stevens. Go look up Joe Stevens. He was my first roommate. Right. He's, he's a good guy. He's a good dude. He's fine. He never did anything to, to hurt me. So yeah, I was there for about a year, and then I moved out. to I moved to Hollywood after that. That's cool. Yeah. How
0: so- How soon after arriving in L. A. Did you get to perform at the store?
1: Probably within. With, 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 I'd say less than a year. I mean, I'd already done, uh, I had already toured as a feature okay. all over the country back when you could eke out some sort of a career, not really, but you could at least get booked as a feature without having to know the headliner if you were, you know, at least high energy and what the club wanted. I mean, it was a different, like now, I don't think they book feature acts unless you're local like they're not going right. to pay for a hotel room for features anymore right. unless it's a friend with a headliner and it's some sort of nice deal that's worked out but that that wasn't the case when i started it was mm. like you could sort of have your own features had its own little thing right and so i i was a feature act um and i lived uh, had been in every state in the country and i had, I had you know not every state but like i've been all over the country and by the time i got to la i've pretty good feature act right and when I go to these open mics, I was friends with a guy named Jeff Richards. Okay. Do you know Jeff Richards? I don't but he was on SNL and Mad T V one season each. Okay. He's like kind of famous for being one of the only guys in the history of the world to be both hired and fired from Mad T V and SNL. Okay. That's <laughs> not, I mean not,
0: that's a certain kind of status. Not
1: picked up. Not 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 let go, but fired. Oh, like, straight up you fired. Need to get like, out of here. <laughs> okay,
0: got it. There's a story on there, each one of those. There, a little bit of one, but yeah.
1: who knows what's true. Um, but but he was. We started together at, at, in Raleigh at Goodnight's Comedy Club. Uh-huh. So I that was goodness. my first time on stage. Started doing comedy there. Met Jeff. Jeff was great. He did a lot of impressions. Uh, he was originally from Walnut Creek, California. So when he was done with college and good nights, he just moved back to Los Angeles and and or moved to California, went to L.A., started doing that, pursuing an acting career and and doing stand up at the comedy store. So by the time I was ready to try out Los Angeles, I ha- already had a buddy.
0: Oh, that's huge! And, and he, he'd laid the groundwork.
1: He laid the groundwork. He mm. was working at the comedy store. He was already a door guy, uh, and he had already been talking me up. Like, yeah, you gotta see John Rape. He's coming out here in a couple months, whatever. So luckily I didn't have to start from scratch at the comedy store.
0: And you were already pretty good.
1: Yeah, I was I had already toured as a feature for a couple years.
0: That makes a big difference. Like I heard uh, I'm sure you know preacher Lawson. Yeah. Um and like he's kind of a story that people tell these days cuz he okay. he arrived in LA already, you know, pretty well baked. So when he hit the ground running, as soon as he, you know, got on mics, got on Kill yeah. Tony, got on whatever he got on, you know, once people saw him right away, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's got something. You know, yeah. as opposed to starting out in LA, yes. which is really grueling. I mean, it's That's just hard grueling. To
1: do. Yeah. That's tough. And I remember having a conversation with like some other headlining comedians that ha- I had worked with in Raleigh that came through, and I would always ask them advice. And they would always say, in some form or, or another, they would say, well, get as big as you can here. Right. And, you know, and then experience as much as you can before you decide to move to LA or New York. At some point, if you're gonna pursue this, at some point, you're probably gonna go to LA or New York. Right. But get good first. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I know, I I feel lucky in Asheville. I mean, we get get a lot of longer stage time opportunities here than you would ever get in a big market. You know, I mean, you can, I mean, it's, and and it's in front of real audiences. Like our open mics here draw a crowd of people who actually love comedy. It's not just other comics in the room. That's so good. We're so lucky. You know,
1: you are, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a great thing. I mean, they have a good appreciation for the arts up here, which is great. Right. Um, uh, Hickory, where I live now, doesn't really have that so much.
0: Yeah, know. I know. I, I tried to find Thai food in Hickory once, and I was driving back with my mom.
1: Is I mean, there's got to be some a couple places. It was,
0: dude. It was so hard to find. We finally found a place, and we walked in, and they had had a gas leak. Oh And the no. place smelled like gas. And I was like, I told them, like, oh yeah, we know about it. They're fixing it. I'm like, well, then we're probably not going to eat here. Yeah, this is not know? enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, like it just. I mean, I I don't know. I'm. I'm like all sensitive to chemicals and stuff. I mean, I'm, i don't know if I am or not, but I've—I've.
1: I've well, no one wants to be uh, inhaling propane as they're eating. A, oh yeah, you know, it spicy was bad. Nuggets or whatever. It was—it was
0: bad, and so it was like so we left, and uh, but but we literally we must have driven through all the Hickory exits off the 40, yeah, trying to find Thai food, yeah, for an hour.
1: Well, there's a little bit of everything now, but I don't know about Thai food.
0: I know that was the thing. We just wanted yeah. we wanted Asian food yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, it was not... I think the place we ended up eating was pretty unfortunate. Um, (laughs) uh, But it didn't have a gas leak.
1: I make it sound in my act when I talk... That's where I'm from. I grew up, born and raised. That's where I make make it sound like it's a tiny little town. Yeah. And it's really like probably... You know, you got... The biggest one is Charlotte, right? Right. Then you go, what? Winston-Salem or Greensboro? Greensboro. Maybe Wilmington's pretty big. Wilmington. And then... Hickory's around six, five or six. Is it bigger than Asheville? Um I I, I don't think it's bigger than Asheville. It's below Asheville. Below probably. Asheville. Probably. Yeah. If you count like the entire MSP or whatever that's called, no, it's like the entire uh, you know, range of the city, right. not just the city itself, then that's like two hundred and fifty thousand people. It's, oh well that's bigger than Asheville then I mean, probably. Yeah. Maybe it's not that much, but yeah. it's it's like bigger than what people think. But Hickory itself is like maybe fifty. Fifty thousand. Well,
0: my favorite stop in Hickory is the one with the Starbucks and the Red Roof Inn and the Mellow Mushroom and the yeah, Adam and yeah, yeah, Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kickback like, Jacks is right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, I have stopped there so many times.
1: Valley Hills Mall, right there. Yeah. I mean, you, that, that's a good that's a good uh, exit if you're just trying to get gas and. Coffee and uh, they also have a lingerie shop right there. So oh, nice! Doing a trashy lingerie. That's yeah, right why
0: there. not? I mean, not for me probably, <laughs> but <laughs>
1: yeah, I just like the variety of that exit. And then there's uh, uh, a Kickback Jacks is one of my favorite places to go to in Hickory, mm. and it's got really good wing. I mean, it's a sports bar, right? And I love that. I love sports, and my friends will go there and watch football, basketball, and there's a lot of big screens. But they have an outdoor deck too, where there's uh, live music sometimes. Oh, that's so cool. Hickory can get into live music. Right, but in terms of like stand-up or spoken word or something that's not mainstream that they're used to, it's a little tough for it to stick. Right. If it, you got to be like a big name. Right, they're not going to let some guy they don't know come up there and just talk for an hour without them going like, yeah, but. <laughs> you know, let them chiming in. You're right. They'll have a counterpoint. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how do they treat you now that you're living there? And you're, I mean, you've obviously Great. made it pretty.
1: I love it, man. You know, I don't know if you know the whole story. I, uh, give me the
0: whole story. I mean, I, even if I know it, other yeah. people don't. So, so
1: I uh, moved out to LA in 2000. Moved back to Hickory about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, the uh, market was good. I have a condo. I had a condo in Studio City. I started fixing up my condo. I started thinking like my industry, you know, my career, especially now that I have a manager and an agent, right. I don't really need to live in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles because the industry's changed so much. I'm a touring comedian, it doesn't matter where I live really. Right. Um, all I really need to be is available for auditions. And that I've gotten parts just on a videotape, you know, just recording myself in a hotel room and sending it in. I got eastbound and down. That way. And I got uh, Harold and Kumar that way. Oh, cool. So it's like, well, what's the, I mean, if I need to fly out here for something, it'd probably be cheaper if I just did it, you know, once a year, pilot season, go out there. So I started thinking, all this stuff started, you know, started thinking in my head, the uh, condo that I have went up in value. I'm like, all right. And then I'm thinking, well, I really do miss my family. Mm, that's... <laughs> you know, I do. I love my parents. I love my brother. I have a son who's 21 years old who I you know, I missed a lot of being in Los Angeles that long. Mm. I mean, I'd go home for birthdays and Christmases and that kind of stuff, but it's not the same, you know. I remember going home and visiting my friends and just be hanging out with them, and they'll be telling a story, and, and I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I have missed out on so much stuff. So I'm like, all that being said, I think what I'm going to do is put my condo on the market and see what happens. And maybe that'll, if it goes quick, if I get a good price, that's a sign I'm bouncing, right? And it went really fast. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I flew my dad out to Los Angeles to help me pack all my stuff up. I gave a lot of it to like, you know, um, Goodwill and stuff like that. But I I donated a lot of it to Habitat for Humanity. Oh, nice. Some of it, well, I couldn't fit into a little U-Haul. Right. Um, we, we got a U-Haul, we drove all the way across the country with my stuff and we didn't get a hotel room. We, we had, I had a Mercury Mountaineer, which is like a Ford Bronco. Right. right. And in the back of that, we made a bed, but everything else was in the U-Haul. So we took turns sleeping and driving like truckers and we, we, we didn't stop. We did it in like 36 hours or something. It should just, take three days. I
0: just love that. I mean, you've made it you can afford to have somebody pack up your shit and move it for you. You know, you, don't, you and your dad don't need to stay up. Like, I love it. I mean, it's yeah. like, it shows who you are as a person. Like you haven't, I mean, that's at least my read on it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, I
1: think it's also symbolism. Like, this is a, gonna be a good bonding moment for me and my dad too. Yeah, It's like symbolic, like he's coming out here to get me out of there. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. here, I'm gonna come here and take care of this. So that made him feel good. He, he wanted to be needed. You know yeah. and i knew that too and i did kind of need help packing some crap up and so we get all the way across the country now i'm living at home and i'm thinking what i'm going to do is take that money that i made from my condo i'm going to get a nice lake house in lake hickory and i'm looking at houses and then a month later my dad has a stroke Ooh. yeah and on thanksgiving day has a stroke um we called 911, they came quick, we get him to the hospital. But now, he's paralyzed on his left side. He's in a skilled nursing facility, he can't walk. He's got a catheter in his pee hole, you know, it's not good. Yeah. Um, so now, my new mission in life is to take care of mom who uh, has glaucoma and osteoporosis, and she's 74. You know, she's not. she's never lived by herself. So mm. now, I, 47 year old, once divorced, single dad now lives with his mother in the room I grew up in. Same bed, single bed, or did Same. you get? Same. I got a different mattress. You got a different. <laughs> even you didn't want to get back no. in that mattress. No, no. no. But uh...
0: no, no grown up wants to sleep in the mattress that they slept in when they were fourteen.
1: I'm afraid to even like take pictures off I don't want to arrange anything because I think she likes it the way it is like they made like a little shrine to me in my own old room I mean it doesn't look like what I grew up in but they put stuff in there that had to do with my success and career and that kind of stuff there's even a picture of me from my high school uh, football days uh, that's a poster size that's on the back of the wall so every morning I I wake up and look at myself that's hilarious man That's crazy but So that's, that's where, and that's, that's, you know, that's why it's easier to get up to Asheville and do a show real quick.
0: Well, that's great, man. I mean, we love that you're local now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I got a buddy who lives here, who's a respiratory therapist and he's been up here for a while now. And, uh, I come up here just to see him sometimes not even do comedy, just hang out in Asheville and have fun. I love it up here. And we go tubing. Uh, we'd oh yeah, on the French Broad. The French Broad and the New River. There's a diff- There's two rivers. Oh, Where's the New One's, River? One kind of smells bad. It's in Canton. Yeah. Oh, well, Canton actually, smells bad. Canton. It's yeah. in Canton. So Canton go smells to Canton. like the paper. The paper factory. <laughs> yeah. But the French Broad is a good one.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what's great is I mean I hesitate to say it on a podcast, but uh, I don't have enough listeners to make it get too crowded <laughs> up there. Um, the Green River. You ever go up to the that's Green River? That's what it is. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: The Green River. Yeah. We, because well, I've done both of them. Yeah. Different times.
0: Yeah, that's that's the move.
1: Yeah, and now they have got breweries right off the river. Oh, it's crazy now. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, can yeah. just go to a brewery, have a beer. They'll hook you up with a tube, and you, you know, or they'll take you. In a van upriver, right, and then you you land at the brewery, right. And then now you just get trashed there. It's yeah, great. yeah, yeah.
0: Right where your car is. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. right, you get Mike Ellis to Uber drive. Yeah, yeah we that's get.
1: <laughs> I love the
0: fact that our producer doubles as an Uber driver. He does it just like as a hobby, just yeah. so he can like have people. You know, I said you're
1: just trying out bits on people. They can't leave. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's, he's got 15 minute sets at a time. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, I I mean, I just love how. So I mean, you know, I lived in L.A. for so long, so I really
1: I want to know where you were in L.A. from from here.
0: No, I moved here 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. um, I'm originally from New York, then New Mexico, Colorado, L.A. Uh, I lived in L.A. for about 16 years, including college and including part of that time I lived in Europe and stuff. I've I've traveled a lot. And uh, but I lived in L.A. for 10 years before I moved here. Got it. And I was not in the industry in any way. I built cabinets and furniture. I had my own shop and, okay. you know, serviced the industry, usually kind of industry fringe. I mean, I had a few celebrity comics, uh, comics um, mm-hmm. clients. Uh, Quentin Tarantino was a client, but wow. he, he wasn't really my client. Like his designer was my client.
1: So, you, but you, you made. Oh, I have
0: stuff in his house. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy is people tell me I look like him. They're like, you're better looking, <laughs> you know, but, uh, <laughs> that's funny. but they tell me I look like him. I was at a lumber yard once in LA. And this woman turned to me. She's like, "I'm sorry, but are you Quentin Tarantino?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Yes, I buy my own lumber, you know." <laughs> like, and she's like, "I'm a huge fan of your work." I was like, "Well, thank you, but I'm not him." That you know? is hilarious. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a Halloween outfit, at least. I
0: know, man. It's like, but he—I met him twice. Yeah. About these jobs I was doing for him, and uh, and he is didn't there a picture of you two together. No, I wish, man. There's oh. just like, but he did not like not a single he did not recognize me as a possible, like stand in or anything. I'm like, dude, (laughs) I could stop building this shit. Like, hello. You know, um, I did go out on a date with his assistant and, uh, she like ran his entire company and we really hit it off Went on one date and I was like, so what are you going to run Tarantino's company for the rest of your life? Is like, is that what you want to do? Yeah. And within a week she had quit and moved out of the state. No kidding. And I was like, "Fuck! I hope I didn't do that." Like, you know, <laughs> you scared like, her off. No, I don't think. I mean, I think I like opened her. Well, I, I hope that wasn't it either. <laughs> no, I was very nice <laughs> to her, but but I, mean, I, like, uh, I felt like I felt like I like asked her just the right wrong question. Yeah. You know, like, oh, just, what are you doing with like, your life? What, uh, like, like you're so capable. Are right. you sure you want to be running somebody else's business? And she moved.
1: I wonder if Quentin Tarantino ever likes that. That, that, that son I hired, of a bitch. Went yeah. Out with her and now. He put that seed in her head. Luckily, I don't think Do you know he what remembers she's doing me. Now? What if she's like the seed? No, I did. I'm sure she's.
0: I'm sure she's huge, man. And whatever <laughs> little town she moved home to, um, she was very cool, though.
1: So, did you live in Hollywood?
0: I lived in Hollywood. Yeah, I lived on uh, Woodrow Wilson, which is like I live in the same road as as Tarantino. But I lived down by the 101, and he lived up at the okay. top. In this okay. estate.
1: So you're at the, the, the foothills of the hills. Yeah, right? Yeah. In the Coanga Pass yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what that yeah. is. Um, I live because I did move to Hollywood after Los Feliz. Okay. I lived like right off of uh, Wilcox. Remember okay, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's like a block from the Walk of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
0: That's uh, a good area. It,
1: ugh, well. Well, I mean, it's crowded, but it's... it's yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're... You're walking distance to things. <laughs> right. To, but it was not... A, a Los Velas I liked better hmm. when I lived in Los Feliz, because it was more of a... I don't know. It's more of a a hip sort yeah. of vibe. Like a lot of actors live there. Now yeah. we're talking two thousand. Right. No, I don't know what it is now.
0: Uh, now it's untouchable. Yeah, I bet it's expensive. I built so okay. So one of my best friends from college became right. a screenwriter. Was very successful at a time, and he bought a house in Los Feliz. And one of the last projects I ever did was I built his kitchen for him. Yeah. And and it was a thing like before he sold his big movie, he hired me to. Built this kitchen, he had to like borrow money from his grandmother to finish the job, yeah. and then he made millions, you know. Wow. But um, anyway, so I built this beautiful kitchen. It was really like my one of my masterpiece jobs. I just he he didn't care. He's like, whatever it costs, just do it right. Yeah. I want to support you, and I want to I want Jason. Like you know, he bought one of my paintings. He was a real supporter of me in, in his time. That's awesome. And uh, it was great. And he got married. Loved his wife. And they moved out of that house and they sold it to the guy who's got a tv show like flip it some one of those right. flip it shows yeah the guy tore out the kitchen that i built <gasps> no yeah just within two years of me having finished this work of art he just gutted it like probably threw out the cabinets, maybe gave him the Habitat for Humanity. But these things were beautiful, man. Like wow. it was, it was an exquisite kitchen <laughs> oh, no. and, and he just gutted it. And did, you,
1: did it air on TV and you saw it? Like, I didn't no! see it. No,
0: I didn't see. It. I would have, dude, I would have like, <laughs> I don't know if I could, it's hard enough knowing it happened, but I yeah. think if I'd seen it happen oh, on TV, it would have been devastating.
1: That's like watching like, you know, a kidnapping on TV and it's someone, you know, someone, you know, not yeah, to, not to just hang them or something. Oh man, at them. it was awful. That's horrible.
0: Yeah, so uh, So. anyway, so that was my last gig, and I and then I packed up and moved here. I had a bunch of friends living so you
1: here. Had, you didn't attempt stand-up while you were out there? No,
0: never. I was never oh. even... It, it did, you, never, I mean,
1: did you go watch stand-up? or?
0: Sometimes, like, yeah. uh, it wasn't a huge part of my life. When I moved here, though, um, I put a gym in my house, and I this is back when TiVo was a thing, and I TiVo'd every single stand-up special on Comedy Central. I think I yeah. started to think, like, maybe this is something I want to try. Yeah. And, you know, people always told me it was funny and, you know, funny mm-hmm. at dinner parties, which I've now learned you're funny at dinner parties because everybody's setting up your jokes. All you have to do is punch them well, and yeah. you're a hero. <laughs> but now that I do the art form, the setup is the hardest part. Like, you've got to set up your own jokes. Yeah. Paying them off is easy, but you've got to make it work.
1: And it, yeah, and they have to be interested in the setup. Right. And, and, yeah. and if, if they're not interested and they don't hear the punchline, then that doesn't work either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. There's uh, so it's two,
1: it's two different things. I agree with you because I got friends that are hilarious. Right. But I don't know if they could do this.
0: So nobody listening to this cares about me. They've all heard me tell these stories.
1: I'm interested.
0: Um, well, okay. <laughs>
1: so I want to know. All right. You, you were in L.A., did not attempt stand-up. You left L.A. to go to... To Den- Asheville. I came here. Oh, but before that was Denver.
0: No, no, no. That was on the, so New York, New Mexico, Colorado, LA. New York. Yeah. I was born in New York.
1: How long, when did you leave New York? Nine years old. You were nine. Yeah. And then you, that was a family move. Yeah. 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 My parents got
0: divorced. My dad and I moved to New Mexico, New Mexico. How long were you in New Mexico? Five years
1: five years yeah. okay what part of new mexico i've probably been santa fe to. santa fe okay so you're there five years and then you go what move what boarding, why did we move from santa fe to colorado colorado boarding school boarding school yeah. oh boy yeah now how long were you we in boarding school? all four years dude i almost went to boarding school my dad almost sent me to boarding school what oh, was really? that like because that's going to be tough
0: uh well it was i mean it was a pretty fancy school you know yeah. um it wasn't an easy adjustment for me, but I kind of had to do it. Like Mm -hmm. life at home was really not working out. Sure. And I had skipped New Mexico schools are not as good as New York schools. So my dad who has got his issues, he decided I needed to skip fourth grade and get me out of the public schools and into a private school. So I, and I had no problem passing the test to skip the grade, Yeah. but socially that was like a, just the worst possible decision for me. And, and then he got remarried and that was a bad decision for me. And he had another kid who I love my brother, but that whole transition was tough. awful for me at
1: that age, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like starting over with new friends and everything else. That's going to be the hardest thing. It was
0: very hard and I was younger and I have a late birthday and you know, so I just ended up getting picked on and, and, but I, you know, that did set the stage for me ultimately doing comedy. Oh, hundred <laughs> um, percent.
1: and boarding school, I mean, one of my favorite movies is taps. Okay. Yeah,
0: man. If I have it's a long time ago. Mean Girls is more of a. <laughs> like, I remember that better. <laughs>
1: well, taps was uh, Sean Penn, Tom Cruise, Timothy. Uh, what's his name? Dutton, the first. Yep, this Hutton. Hutt- uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's great. It's about. It's about a military boarding school, but I'll, I'll watch it. Mine I is not that military. Thing, like, oh, I want to do that, and my dad goes, "Oh, do you? <laughs> we can do that." Yeah. And My mom made him. Uh, mom changed his mind but we were, I was this close to going to a military boarding school because my dad knew I, I didn't have much discipline okay <laughs> but uh, I admire that so you were boarding school for a while then you went to then Denver. I went then
0: I no, that, was, uh, that was that was Colorado good. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I went to California after that for college yeah
1: college where'd you go
0: uh, Pitzer College out in Claremont like an oh, hour outside on. LA yeah, Claremont. Yeah.
1: okay there's and some that, clubs out there here. you
0: probably played yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: cool. I like, I'd like to know people's. No, thank you. I, I appreciate your interest. I genuinely yeah. do.
0: Um, I, I. You know what it is, is I'm self-conscious about talking about myself. And that's sometimes I'll have, I'll listen back to these. I'd be like, man, I did most of the talking. No, no, no. And here well, I have a chance to talk to you. Well, this and is like,
1: me learning about you as well. So, yeah. um, but you know, we, we talked to in uh, uh, Charlotte about doing this podcast, right. and, uh, but I didn't know, I don't know a whole lot about you. So yeah. it's, it's, I, and I think, People who travel, that's the best education you can get. If you leave your bubble and you go out and you experience new things, and I I think some of the smartest people are people who just travel, you know? Yeah. Or at least they're more tolerant.
0: (laughs) You you know what, it's like, I like just seeing how different people put salt and pepper shakers on their tables (laughs) in restaurants. Like, you can learn so much about just how different there are so many different ways to do things like yeah. just the dumbest little things right, right, right. that, that are cultural, they, they represent a different cultural choice, you know? Mm-hmm. And you realize, I'll just never forget it. When I lived in, I lived in Ecuador for six months during college and, oh, wow. and that was the first time I had like a real like immersive experience into another culture. Yeah. And that was when I noticed the salt and pepper shakers for the first yeah. time. And, and I was just like, you know what, there are other ways of living life than the way we do it in America. Right. And it never occurred to me yes and which is it, ridiculous but
1: that's awesome i think it's like it you expands your mind it makes you like oh well I, just because i did it one way doesn't mean it's the best or right way yeah and then you see other people do it like well why are we doing that that's pretty cool i didn't know like when i you know when i grew up on the uh, if you go to a restaurant the only thing on tables was salt pepper ketchup mustard right but then i leave and i go out and said oh uh, now i'll see like you know when I lived in LA, and along the way out there, right. I'm like, "Well, there's Tabasco sauce now everywhere. Everywhere. Like I didn't yep. know we did that wasn't in demand where I grew up. But is it I mean, there now? It's there. No, not for me. But I, today, is that. it on the table? I though? mean, it's it. Uh, Has yeah. it made its way into? I that? think nowadays, yeah. it's it's so mainstream. There's like there's lots of stuff on tables now. Yeah, in restaurants in Hickory, you know, right. or all yeah. over the country. But it was just salt, pepper, ketchup. Uh, mustard but now you sometimes you'll see uh, mayonnaise sometimes you'll see all kinds of sugar and sweet and low and you know now there's the the the, the pepper grinders and, right you know that kind of stuff like fresh pepper to me was I remember I have a whole bit about fresh pepper I, I thought <laughs> it was bizarre I'm like floored by it I remember a guy walking to my table just to see if I needed fresh pepper. Like, that's all he does. Like, he walks over. He's got, like, look, looks to me like a table leg. Right. And wants <laughs> it's to know if I red. need fresh pepper. Can I'm you like, imagine that? Oh, this pepper here was stale.
0: Dude, that guy moved to L.A. to make it as an actor. Like, <laughs> that's the crazy thing about living in L.A. Is it's filled with people who cracking pepper is their, that is yeah. their new job. Eight hours a day, they're walking from table <laughs> yeah. to table. And you just know that's not what they went there for.
1: No, that's right. That's right. That's and
0: right. it's part of the reason I left L.A. I never think to connect the dots this way, but. Um, I moved to LA for, for college. I stayed there as an artist. As I was a painter, mm-hmm. and um, and then I got into woodworking to support my painting. And then I just got into woodworking, and I never painted again, which is one of the yeah one of my regrets. Oh man, I really wish painting, I had painting painting yeah like art like oh, nice. like abstract art yeah. Oh, I'd like to see some um, new stuff. Well, now this air is blowing on me that they just turned off. Oh, because you can feel and it, and it it's all smoky. It's like I just, <laughs> I just had like a you know bunch what? of secondhand smoke Would blow on like me. Would you like to switch? No, 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 we're fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Why? Do you want to smoke? Do
1: you need <laughs> no, a cigarette? No, no. Do you I, I cigarette? remember you saying you're very sensitive. Oh no, too. thank you. Yeah. Man, you're, you're. I listened to you. You said you went to a Thai place and the gas leak, and I'm like, I think of these things, so I'll switch with you if you want. No, no, no.
0: That's I wouldn't do that, but uh, but thank you. I'll just put my hood on. Um, anyway, uh, so. I used to say, and you'll, I think you'll, but you lived in Hollywood and you you lived in Studio City and you moved to Hollywood. So, um, but I used to say that, uh, the people who lived in the Valley, Mm -hmm. this is less true now, but when I moved there, the people who lived in the Valley were the ones who couldn't get cast on the other side of the hill, (laughs) you know? And
1: it's like, or, well, yes. Also though, CBS Radford is on that side of the hill and Studio City. Uh, things are shot there, but you're right. They cast them. Over they don't. There. Li- yeah,
0: I mean, if you make it, yeah. you do not live. Well, now it's different. But yeah. back in the day, yeah. if you had made it, you did not live in the valley, and that's what I mean. Right. You know yeah, the valley. The when valley. Think of the valley. Right. Like Encino. Encino. And now, <laughs> but now Sherman Oaks and all those places are, you know, Van Nuys. Yeah. Like those are places that people live because they yeah. can't afford the the West Side anymore. But yeah. Um. But when I lived there, I left in 2004. So when I lived there, uh, it's still like having an eight one eight number was still not cool. And, (laughs) and, uh,
1: Brody Stevens, 818 till I die. <laughs> that was his whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Brody, Brody Stevens who's passed away now, yeah. but he used to come out and say, I'm from North... Ho- no, what was... Encino, I think he said, or Toluca. What the fuck did he say he was from? It was an 818. An 818, 818 number, number he, yeah. He, he wore it as a badge of honor.
0: That's... Well, yeah. that's good on him, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, but I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. And so there was that, like, those people couldn't get cast on the other side of the hill, and when I went I ended up having my my wood shop there my cabinet shop so I spent a lot of time there and actually grew to like it because it was so normal Mm -hmm. things cost still cost what they should and people were normal like people weren't Mm -hmm. so full of themselves like they were in Hollywood Mm -hmm. where I had lived where I still lived yeah but I also realized I looked around I'm like everybody here isn't doing what they came here to do that's true the people on this side of the hill are not doing what they came to Hollywood. Everyone came here with a dream, yeah, the yeah. dream didn't work out and they ended up in the valley just like make yeah. and do. And when I realized that my life had kind of become that, like I was, I had this really thriving cabinet shop. I was well respected for my craft, but I didn't yeah. love it anymore. And I'd gotten very into my spirituality and stuff and, and LA just wasn't cutting it for me anymore. And, and I also realized like, you know, I came here to paint
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm not painting. Right. And I think if I'm not going to do what I came here to do, I don't need to stay.
1: How long did that take you to f- realize that? 10 years?
0: Um, I started to realize it. I lived there for 10 years. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I started to realize it about two years before I left, like yeah. about five years before I left. I had a pretty serious girlfriend who lived in Oakland yeah. and we were together for a year long distance. And and we were, you know, it was either like get married or break up, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and we ended up breaking up and that's fine. We're still friendly, but I kind of had a plan then that was 29 when I was with her. I had a plan to leave LA at 35. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, okay. That was like, you I just figured, like an exit strategy. It, I, did,
0: well, I just had it at exit in my head. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a, I wouldn't call it a strategy. Everyone did. I just kind of knew that like, I didn't want to live there forever. I didn't know that I wanted yeah. to raise a family there. And
1: that's, that's, I like that. Like, see, I, I thought when I moved to LA, I gave myself two years. I said, if I am not on TV in some capacity in two years, then I think what I'm going to do is move back to North Carolina or somewhere where I can focus on being a good road comedian and just get on radio and try to be the most successful road comedian I can be and just give up on the TV movie side of things. And then within about six months of that, a negotiation with myself, I got on a show called late Friday. It came on at two in the morning. It was like a, a stand-up. Sh- they just featured comedians that, you know, doing 10 minute sets. Right. And I go like, okay, I'm on TV. What's the new plan. Right. And then it, things just kept happening. There was no, there was no new plan. I just kept doing stuff and well, that's great kept though happening. But I also realized before I left, I should have probably left two or three years before I did. Um, because LA is totally different than what it was when I moved there. It's totally different than when you left in two thousand four. It's it's huge. I mean, there's more people come there all the time with no plan. Right. They're getting in the way. Traffic is crazy. The homeless issue is insane. The people who who live there aren't from there, and they don't even care so much about local government or politics, and they don't vote. And it's just it's shitty. Yeah. And it's nasty. And I'm like you know, that was another factor in me leaving was Mm. the fact that LA is just not as cool or fun as it used to be. It's gotten kind of sad. Yeah. So yeah, I hear you. I didn't have an exit strategy. Had I had one, I thought, you know, maybe I'd have left two or three years earlier than that. I didn't put a a limit on it, but I, I, I would love it if, if everyone had sort of a, a deal with themselves, like, all right, I'm gonna try this. If it ain't working, I got no business being here. I'm getting in the way, you know. Go, go regroup and then come back when you get a, a TV show or a sitcom or something. Well, it's, you know? I mean,
0: it's it's what's awesome is that. Well, first of
1: all, you were probably pretty young, right? How old were you when you?
0: Uh, let's see here. I moved here. In t- I'm 47
1: now, so that was 20 years ago when I moved there. So I was
0: yeah, it's your 27, right?
1: Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> then head, that's not too hard I only on that did one.
1: 10 ma- oh, yes. 27 when I moved there, <laughs> and uh, you already
0: had a kid. You you must have just yeah just happened. you're a brand yeah, new dad. He's
1: 21, so I when I was yes I was I went to school at North Carolina State University in Raleigh, and uh, this girl that I was kind of seeing in Hickory, she got pregnant. And I'm like, well, I've already got plans to move to Los Angeles. My career was on the path. I'd already been invited to the Montreal Comedy Arts Festival as a new face. And I already had a place in L.A. that I knew I was going. And I'm like, you know, so for a good year, it was up in the air. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And over time, you know, I've, I've been paying child support this whole time. I go back. I visit as much as i can but it was never a relationship relationship you mm, know what i mean man. with him and i mean with me and his mother like mm. we weren't married we weren't ever engaged it wasn't like you know we were telling been dating like maybe a month or something no so, man. it was tough yeah um so that happened right out the gate so that's another reason why i'm like okay two years and i'm bouncing i'm going back to the family you know but it just kept going like a career just kept going Hemi commercials, college agent. College agent was the first one, and then the Hemi commercials came. Then after that, I was on a sitcom. I was on a sitcom with Rodney Carrington called Rodney. And I tell people this all the time if you ever want to get a sitcom canceled, <laughs> all you have to do is buy a condo within walking distance of where they filmed it. <laughs> is that what I, he did, or is that what you did? That's what I did. <laughs> because uh, on the second season, I thought, this is great. We're coming back for season two. Um, And I got picked up as a ma- more of a main cast member. Right, My money was going up. I was going to be on more episodes. I'm like, it's house time. And the market was good for the house buy. They're giving out crazy loans to everybody.
0: I remember those days. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm like, well, now's the time. And I got me a condo right behind CBS Radford, where we filmed it. Like, okay. there's the LA River. Uh-huh. From my kitchen window, I could see the lot where we filmed it. All right. There's a river, then the lot on the other side. I could see it. And another selling point of this house is if you turn if you if you look to the right, you can see where they filmed Gilligan's Island. So I lived in the land of TV. You know, it was awesome. I love that condo. And then about I don't know, maybe three, four months later, they canceled it. <laughs> I'm like, but wait a minute. I just bought a condo. <laughs> oh my god. So then it then it was like, how do I keep this condo? Right. You know? And then I got then I won Last Comic Standing. So that helped out a tell, lot. Tell tell
0: me that story if you don't mind. Is that a I good don't. story for you? Yeah,
1: that's great. Like yeah. season five, two thousand seven. Okay. I uh, had been watching this show, thinking to myself, well... Oh, It looks cheesy to me. Like I didn't like uh, comedians doing reality show. I didn't like the fact that you'd see a comedian on stage uh, having a great set, not having a care in the world, and then right at the when he's done with his set, look right in the camera and go, "Please vote for me." Like it looked weird. It looked desperate at the end. I I didn't like the way it looked. So I never went to audition. But my my agent said. Okay, so th- and he, I got a phone call from him every year. Like, do you want to go down there and audition? I can get you in there. You don't have to wait in line. If you want to do this, let me know. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I didn't really need it. I was doing well. You know, last, com- I mean, before last, all the Hemi commercials, right. the, the sitcom money, I was doing fine. And season five comes along and he calls me again. He goes, all right, this year, they're not going to make you live in a house together. So you don't have to share a room with anybody. There's not like a real world situation. Everyone's going to get their own hotel room. I go okay. He goes and they're going to get like they want to get established road comedians in there, guys that could do thirty minutes to an hour if they had to. If they go on a road, right, with the show, they want to make sure they get comedians that could do that. I go okay, that's pretty legit. And he goes and the road, the money, the prize money, if you go, if you win, it goes up from fifty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand. I said I'll go down. There. Yeah, yeah, I'll audition. I'll audition. <laughs> I'll audition. <laughs> And that's totally all I thought it was Was just an audition I yeah. didn't think I'd go far um, But I know how these shows are I knew they'd make me look like I was fresh off the Chuck Wagon and From Hickory You know I'd already Did been you there. play that up? Yeah Yeah no, yeah yeah And I, it, by, by the way I'd already been on a sitcom And did a lot of commercials Like I'd already been in L.A. five years But I knew that they were gonna make it look like uh, I was you know Straight out of Hickory yeah. Which was fine And I played that part up And I ended up winning the whole thing It was crazy
0: yeah. yeah, and that's where you met Chuck Roy, right? Yes. Because he's the guy who I introduced us. I did meet
1: Chuck Roy yeah. on last comic standing and I walked up to him. He intimidated me. I thought, I was afraid of Chuck Roy. He, he's a big dude. He's a he, big dude, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and, and he's kind of aggressive sometimes on stage You know, he gets into it. And, uh, but I wanted to tell him that I thought it was funny because he had a bit that I loved about um, video games. Like okay. when you're playing a video game especially if it's like if you're a soldier and you're trying to learn how to play the video game and you're and he does this bit where he like as the soldier he's up against the wall just running like this like he doesn't know how to work the the player like right. he doesn't know how to play the video game but he's acting it out he's acting like he he doesn't know where he's going and there's right. guns in the air That's, that's and I, I just thought that was funny because i've done that yeah and so i wanted to tell him i thought that was funny and um, and then we just started talking. I go, oh, this guy's this guy's nice. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a really nice guy. I love nice Chuck guy. Roy. Yeah, I worked with him in Denver the day after the Aurora theater shooting. Oh my goodness, happened. Yeah, we already. I was already there for the weekend. That happened. We had a show the next day. They didn't cancel the show. And you know, Greenwood Village is right next to Aurora in Denver. That mm. that whole area is not pretty close. Right. And so it was like. And that was major news. Oh yeah, that was terrifying. And so it had to be talked about. Yeah. I said, and Chuck was emceeing. I said, I don't know how you're gonna do this, man. What are you gonna, what what are you gonna say? He goes, I, you know, I'm just gonna say we got, you know, comedy's healing. We got to keep going. If we don't do it, then they win. Blah 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 blah. I go, okay. I said, what if you do this? And I gave him an idea, and he used it, and it worked. I was so thank proud. goodness. <laughs> I was so proud. I said, what if you say. uh You were at that theater when that happened, but you weren't seeing Batman. You were seeing magic Mike. (laughs) No one got hurt, but shots were fired. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, I'm doing it. Uh, And it got a big laugh. Just move on. That's great. man. That's hilarious. I love Chuck Roy.
0: I remember I saw magic Mike with my neighbor, friend of mine. And, uh, I went with her and there was only one other guy in the theater and the rest was all women, you know, and he was married. He was like in his 60s. And when he got when the movie was over and he got up to leave, everybody cheered him, you know, and I was like, what about me? You know, and the, so it was very funny. Yeah,
1: I got dragged to Magic Mike, the second one. No, oh, I didn't see the one. I was dating a girl who wanted to go see it. And I'm like, fine, let's go. I don't care. Whatever. I'll probably laugh the whole time. And I go in there and it's packed. It's, and it's all ladies. And yeah. It's packed. And I'm kind of, kind of giggling. I've never seen this many ladies enjoying like men for their like sexuality. Yeah, you know, it's dude. interesting. Yeah, and I was like, "Good look at all these horny girls in here. This yeah. is funny." And so we're watching the film, and there's like a quiet part, and then uh, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. It's going to sound like I'm making this up, but it was quiet, and I just heard. Bzzz. No. <laughs> now i don't know if that was a cell phone but it lasted longer than a normal ringtone should oh my I'm god like, some girl pulled out a damn that is fantastic
0: <laughs> that is amazing i love it um what like if you were to give advice to someone like i'm in this four years yeah you'll get to see my act tonight <clears throat> Afterwards, you can give me a different round of advice. Uh, we can do part two between shows. Okay, <laughs> whatever you want. Oh, dude, I'll I'll definitely I'll do the hell out Leave of that. This hooked up. Yeah. We'll come back oh, that'd off. be fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, everyone who succeeds, and you have now succeeded, has been through a fucking world of hurt and a world of failure. I don't mean hurt like emotional hurt. Comedians, we've all been tortured. Yeah, sure. But that's we can talk about that. But that's not what I mean in this on the context of this this question. Like, you know, um. What are some of like some of your biggest nightmare stories? The things that really hardened you and made you gave you kind of the metal that it took to make it, you know,
1: being a redheaded, freckle faced kid, uh, you get picked on, you know? Um, so you gotta learn pretty quick either to let that destroy you or to figure out how to spin it or make it, you know, livable, right? So I think it helped me develop a sense of humor so that I could disarm the guy that, you know, kind of like uh, rock, the movie Roxanne or Cernod de DeBergeek, hmm. where he had the big nose. Right. Everyone's going to make fun of his big nose, but he's got 30 other jokes that are funnier than the one that you came up with. And so I did that as a redheaded, freckle face kid, not even knowing that I was doing Cernod de Bergiac or Steve Martin's fan, you know. Um, and so I think that helped me develop a sense of humor. And my dad was a funny dude and i think i got it from him just watching him so but the tragedy part is probably that um and i remember just knowing that laughter was a way to make friends you know uh it's the first day of school third grade no one knows you everyone's afraid and if i can make that whole room laugh then everyone's like oh that that dude just brought joy to my life i want to know him right and and that's just how it started for me that but the failure part probably just the just knowing that i am not like everyone else i've got to figure out how to how to make this parlay this into something positive
0: well what were some of your experiences like when you moved to LA yeah right i mean yeah you had your friend jeff right yeah, he helped yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still, I mean, was it just easy for you when you no. moved
1: there? Well, being southern's not easy in Los Angeles, right? you know, and uh, my accent is not as thick as it once was, mm. uh, but if you get some bourbon or vodka in me, it'll come back. And, <laughs> and I do believe like, you know, uh, wherever you live, you will slowly start to sound like that only just to uh, sort of a subconscious assimilating that's going on, but also just a way of getting through the day you know like i remember one of the first times i moved to la and going to a restaurant um and, and and there's a waiter a waitress who comes over and says what would you like to drink and I go you you, got, you you guys have sweet tea or something like that. They go, "Oh my gosh, sweet tea. Where are you from?" And they start making fun of me subconsciously. Maybe not making fun, but in my brain it was making fun. Right. And I'm like, "All I want you to do is go get my tea. I don't care to know you." Right. So I thought like, well, if I say it differently, I'll just take some iced tea. Now, now I know. Right. That 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 won't happen again right. if I don't say sweet tea or whatever. And uh, so so the southern accent i can make it come and go as i want it it's a part of me but it's also something like you know i if i want to communicate well i will learn how to enunciate and pronounce words correctly although it is a lot harder <laughs> but um being southern it was tough at first to, to uh to get people to to take you seriously because you know there's the stereotypes, so all southern people are stupid or racist and all that stuff. So I have to sort of talk about that every time when I go on stage outside of the South. Right. I have to address that. I go, I know how I sound, here's the facts, I have jokes about it. But when I'm in the South, it's like a celebration of it. Right. When I'm outside the South, it's an explanation. Then I can go on with life. But that was a hurdle in Los Angeles. Just my accent.
0: And, yeah. yeah and then so did the comics make fun of you were they cool like what was? oh that? they're
1: fine I mean comics I mean we're all different you know some are hard-nosed and are ball busters right and some are just happy-go-lucky and it's like any other uh, thing in life you know but I don't think comedians didn't really ball bust me that much not in LA well, there was a couple but no, you wouldn't know their names. These are people who are not successful. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. deserve it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the they ones deserve are to not be successful yeah. or tolerant people who have yeah, been around right. the country and knows that just a, an accent doesn't make who you are, you know? So, yeah. But no, I'm trying to think of like a really shitty moment between a comedian. Well, there's one. Okay, all Canadians are nice. We've all heard that stereotype. Right. And I've I've not really met many Canadians I don't like, but I have met one.
0: <laughs> okay, and
1: he was an asshole, and uh, I remember I had to work with this guy, and he he didn't like me and I didn't like him and and uh, he would uh, he would say like you're doing Anthony Clark. I go, what are you talking about? I, I mean, I might sound like Anthony Clark. We both have Southern accents, but I'm not doing his material. I don't understand what you're talking about. Then this motherfucker goes on stage and does an Anthony Clark joke verbatim. I go, you got to be shitting me. You just gave me hell for doing Anthony Clark, and you just went and repeated one of his jokes. He goes, oh, we're friends. We do that. And to this day, this dude's not successful, so screw that guy. But that's the only really uh, encounter I've had where I didn't really like or had a problem with another comedian, you know.
0: Oh, well, wow. it's great that there's only been one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're a pretty
1: likable I guy. Mean, I, I, you know. I don't look for trouble, Yeah. and I don't really judge – I don't judge people, man. If you're nice to me offstage and you're not stealing jokes on stage, we could be friends.
0: All right, that's the end of part one. I didn't know there'd be two parts to this, but we got cut off because we had to go to a sound check. And then John was nice enough, even after his girlfriend came to hang out pre show for the second show and be in the green room, he took another 15 minutes to sit with me and kind of finish the podcast and talk a little bit about my set and what it was like to perform that night and uh he's just such a generous dude he didn't have to do any of this and he did it because he'll explain it i'll let you hear it in his words but he's a really good dude and uh so hang tight and uh here comes part two it's a lot shorter than part one but i think you'll like it. it's worth listening to and uh thanks again for tuning in it's good to be back
1: I've decided now that, like, because I also have a podcast. <laughs> right. Maybe for selfish reasons, but also just as a positive energy, yes, and thing, I'm going to say yes to being a guest on as many podcasts as I can, if I can, you know, if it's feasible. you know, Right, yeah. It right. doesn't cost me money to do it or whatever. So, Because uh, that's how people learn about other podcasts is listening to a podcast. It's hard to make people who don't know anything about podcasts to listen to my podcast there were just almost uh, over 400 people in here right in the first show great set by the way <laughs> um, thank you and i remember saying during my set like i have a podcast called country ish expecting a big applause right there, there like nothing five people i go well, you gotta be kidding me you guys it's free it's free go listen to it it's easy so you know cuz this cuz i know this audience the people who you know unfortunately like me just aren't into doing podcasts they didn't grow up with it they don't know it. they're they already got their routine down so to get them to do something different is hard to do yeah and there's
0: also like i i mean i love podcasts and i listen to them all the time but just to keep up with the joe rogan podcast and the mark marin mm-hmm. like that alone is a pretty full-time job right and then uh, so luckily I've cut out some, like I don't listen to his fight companions and, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm, and I don't listen to when he talks to other comedians, unless I feel like he doesn't know them very well. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Like, yeah. I love it when he talks to a comedian he doesn't know, cause they actually have an interesting conversation. But when he has his, his buddies up there, yeah, Ari and those guys, nothing yeah. could be less interesting to me. <laughs> I love Ari Shafir. I yeah. love all the people. Yeah. Yeah. But the two of them, they just get together and it's like, it's such an insider conversation that it's like, yeah, it's just not that it's just not. That I can see that.
1: I'm friends with all those guys. So uh, sometimes I'll tune in just to. You know, sort of like reminisce.
0: Well, but that may be different if you. Yeah, actually, for me it's different because you can actually project
1: right. yourself into that
0: conversation. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. But
0: uh. But yeah, no, these are all guys who I love. I mean, yeah. and I would love nothing more than have a conversation with any and all of them.
1: Yeah.
0: But listening to them talk to each other isn't usually that interesting. Whereas, like Mark Maron, when he interviews another comic, mm-hmm. I love that because he goes into comedy. He goes deep yeah. into comedy, whether he knows them or not, and that's always fun for me. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. Joe will take tangents and huge tangents. It's just, it's all over the map. It's yeah. hard to keep up up with what his brain's doing and where he's going and I just try to stay in touch and Bert's great but he also likes to interject a lot Hmm. so if I'm trying to tell a story he'll go oh yeah because one time and then it's like and I might not never get back to the story I was telling (laughs) so and Bobby Lee's was great because me and Bobby Lee go way back we're good friends and I hadn't seen him in a long time and bobby's a listener so bobby will listen mm. and he's actually into what you're saying as far as i'm concerned yeah. you know with me anyway and uh, and it's also very funny and <laughs> just will interject his own stuff but he at least allows you to talk <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. right some
0: people's podcasts <laughs> yeah but it's theirs they can do what they want i know but it's like they make it about them it should be
1: about the guest. Uh, it depends i mean you know i if it's someone i like like adam carolla for example mm-hmm. i i could listen to adam just talk about anything because uh, he always has a very strong opinion, okay, no matter what right. it is. He never, You never hear him go like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Let me think <laughs> about it. He's like, fuck that. Or I love that. You know, it's never... So I love that he commits to whatever it is and it, the way his brain works. And he's so quick... I don't even care if he has a guest on. You know, I like his segments. I like him. And, but he also does have great guests. Well, so. that's different. See, that's a different precedent. Yeah. Like, he's setting a precedent that he is... Oh, and there's no one. Like, he's the fastest quickest witted person I've ever seen in my life.
0: So you know what happened to me is like when I when I'm here a lot of my friends are like, "Oh, you know, you're pretty quick." Listen, I'm like, "No, I'm not." Like <laughs> when I go to LA, mm-hmm. I really feel like the short bus dude. Like <laughs> everybody is so smart and and life there moves so quickly and I'm like when I'm hanging out with my friends in LA and these are people like some of them are older than me you know and I'm 50 so they're like 70 they're still sharp as a fucking tack Uh and I can't keep up with them and I just realized like I have slowed down being in the South like I just you know and like you were saying earlier, you kind of pick up the accent. I mean, yeah. I have just picked up the pace of Southern life. Like, uh huh. Not, not compared to Southerners. I right, still right, drive right. like an asshole compared to the locals here. But when I go back to L.A., I'm like, well, let me let this person in. And people yeah. are like, are you crazy?
1: It we happens. don't do that here. You know, I've learned when I lived in L.A., the opposite happened. So I was like, well, i got to learn to speed up. Uh, i got to learn to not use my turn signal because if I use my turn signal, I'm letting that person know, know that I'm trying to get over, and they'll say, fuck you, and they'll scoot up. Oh, my God. Not letting me in. Really? So I in L.A.? Really, I really have to just go for it, because if you use your turn signal, you're giving up, you're, you're showing your hand. <laughs> It's like a poker game. Yeah, it's like, oh, so that I'm guy's gonna... trying to give her screw him. I better speed up and get up here next to him so he doesn't get in front of me. But here it's like, oh, yeah, God, God, come on,
0: everybody. See, I have the opposite experience. I've, I swear to you, people on the road know I'm not from here.
1: Like, No, not here at Asheville. No, Asheville's not the south. Oh, God. They're just like,
0: <laughs> you know, if someone sees that I'm trying to change lanes here, uh-huh. they will ride exactly the right speed to prevent it from happening. Yeah, yeah. And Well,
1: that's here, but yeah, if you go down, you know, Hickory's, like, you just go like. Th- 30 minutes from here, you'll probably get the opposite experience. All right, I'm going to have to try it. Yeah. How about the The thing? The great set. (laughs) Okay, should we talk about that? Because this is the post part. This is the post part, yeah. We did our interview before. Now we're done. We're done. I I didn't physically walk out and watch you because there's nowhere to stand without me, without someone going, Oh, that's John. All right. So I couldn't go stand on the sides because that would have ruined your set. Thank you. Because they would have been looking at me or talking about me and it would have yelled my name out or something. That's happened before. So I had to listen. backstage and all i heard was lots of laughter so thank you that means you did good job thank you i heard you do something about southern accents yep you said bless your heart which is a big one that was my first album so i was actually happy to hear you say that because i've not done that bit in a long time not not the same bit but no that's it's a saying you know my first album was called john reatt bless his heart and i talk about that like southern sayings and you know like um God, I don't even remember how this bit goes, but like in the South, if if you want to talk trash about someone, you say "bless your heart" or "love you to death" or "God forbid," <laughs> and then didn't. it's something bad. So I do all three of those. Oh. Yeah, he uh, his heart, but he beats puppies. <laughs> he beats them with kittens. Uh, it's called cat dog, and I love him to death. <laughs> God forbid he quit. <laughs> So it sounds nice, but it's really shitty. Oh, man. Yeah, man, that's how they disguise it. It took me a
0: year to figure out when they said "bless your heart" that they were shitting on me here. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I figured they were just sympathizing, but, but they, they are not. what's funny
1: is it goes. They can use it for both. They could actually mean "bless your heart" in a good way, but that's rare. But what are the odds? But, but you know when it's happening? You're like. Oh, man, bless your heart, buddy. I feel your pain. Like, you know that's happening. But see, it's, like, right. but it's I'm like, oh, bless his heart. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's just the something. way they say it. Yeah, well, see, yeah. I don't know
0: that I'm attuned
1: to the nuances. <laughs> right. Uh, 15 years isn't long enough. But you did a great job. Um, you were you were asking me about your closing bit. Oh, Yeah. And uh, I think it went really good. How did you feel about it? Oh, I think it went great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've I've written this bit that uh, I have been told that it's racist because I do accents from different countries. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not making fun of the people. I don't
1: think that's racist because that's not about a race. It's about a country. It's nationalist, if anything. Yeah, well, it's an is. It falls <laughs> into the ism thing. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And...
0: Uh, but I just decided, so now I've learned like before, cause I do all these different accents and no one really seems to object to me doing British and Australian and yeah. Irish and New York. But then I start doing, a, I do a Japanese accent and an Indian oh, accent. Oh,
1: that's true.
0: And so now I know to preface it. I say, all right, here's where this gets dicey. So I prepare them that I'm about to like uh-huh. level up as far as this being a little wrong. And yep. then I bow and I do this Japanese <laughs> thing. I mean, it's terrible but I know it is and I, and then have fun with it. And, and then I do this Indian accent and then, you know, and then I close it out
1: yeah, um, yeah. by, no, that's, I, I love it. Dude, I mean, I am not for the whole PC culture. I mean, you know, look, I, I feel like you can say anything you want. This is the, this is what we do in America. I mean, we have freedom of speech now you know, the audience will decide whether it's acceptable, right. the audience in that room. And if you tell a joke and everyone laughs, then there's not a problem. The problem is when people start recording it and they weren't there and they take a a snippet of it and they go like, this guy, look what he said. You know what I mean? Like people start losing Uh, jobs and all that crap. So I'm not for all that. But... But I'm like I used to love Andrew Dice Clay. That guy was horrible. Right? I mean, he said the worst things. But as it as a as a teenager, you know, going through my my um, getting that burst of testosterone around 13, 15, whatever it was, I was like, oh, I love this dude. Um, but yeah, no, I'm for I'm for whatever works, man. You know, there's no one. No, we're not up there murdering people. Right. We're, we're saying things. We're saying words. Right. That's it. I love it. Good job. I I just got a big laugh. That was great. Well, thank you. What did you do, like 20 minutes? Uh, 15. 15, okay. I I think you did really good. If I'd done 20, I would have gotten fired. No? No? Well, that crowd was amazing. I couldn't believe. The first show packed house, uh, probably over 400 people. Yeah. Um, And they were very, you know, for whatever reason, uh, in Asheville, when you're at a venue that's not a comedy club, Right. Like we're at a venue called the Orange Peel. It's for bands, it's for music. Right. Uh, it could be for anything, but they're mostly music, right. right? So when you go see a live band, you're used to going, woo, yeah, all right, place get free bird. You know, so, so I think when people walk in here, they're they're thinking, oh, I can yell out. So that does happen sometimes. Mm. But tonight it didn't happen. Everyone was pretty cool.
0: They were very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I had a couple people one. yell out, but during that bit that they're supposed to. Well, you were to, asking for it. Yeah, me. but yeah. they yelled out when they weren't supposed to. But I told them, you know, but I wasn't mad at them. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've, I get heckled a lot, and I don't mind it. Like, I'm because i've learned how to navigate it and i I, the thing that i like to say is your job is to win the audience not the argument Uh and so you know you want to tell you want to get that person to stop or call the right kind of attention to them that the room turns on them so they feel pressured not to do it but good at it yeah but not so bad that they hate you and they feel like they have to get back at you like it's just this line of where like you let them know hey look i i got this yeah I'm in charge of this right now, not you. But not the yes. pissing contest that they feel obliged to continue to stay in.
1: Mm-hmm. I really feel like you could almost get away with anything if you're if you're saying it as with your whether when while you're smiling. Yeah. know because it lets them know like i'm kidding yeah yeah you know and i I remember seeing a guy do that i'm like he told me he goes watch i can do i can see like this guy (laughs) look at this guy he's like an asshole like he said something negative right but he's smiling and he said it and he did like a fist bump to him the guy's just automatically yeah yeah (laughs) and it's like yeah you can do anything but if you if you're saying it like like you're seriously angry I mean, there are guys who Lewis Black. I mean, he can do yeah. anything he wants, but he's not smiling the whole time. He's shaking his head. He's very pissed. Yeah, but, his, but, but that's, that's, a that's his thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You, So I feel like if you're not, you, if you don't know what your thing is yet, and right. you think that you're about to say something that might upset the crowd, try it with a smile. Right, and then it might be a little easier to deliver.
0: Yeah, I, I often will smile after. Like I'll let them laugh. I'll stay in the moment, and then and then I'll smile just to kind of like release a little tension yeah um in me and in them you know because yeah. i like to say awful things on stage it's just my favorite thing oh well, there you go you know um but i don't want people to hate me i want them to be enjoying well, there's,
1: it, a, there's a there's a crowd for everybody yeah i mean you know that's you did, what i'm learning. you did well in front of my crowd
0: so that's I was good uh, thank you i was actually like nervous i didn't know how i do because i have this joke <laughs> about um i have this joke that My daughter's mom and I are arguing over which high school we want our daughter to drop out of. You know, and her mom wants to go to public school because it's free and she can ride the bus. But I don't want her getting knocked up by some coal rolling redneck with a meth habit. You know, (laughs) and this is one of those things where literally two thirds of the room laughed and this third did not. And I called it out. I was like, "This third did not think that was funny at all." And that basically made them all the ones with the the meth heads (laughs) and the the coal rollers. Yeah.
1: Well, you could do in that situation too is like, not from here though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. great here. I'm talking like, and then just say a neighboring town. I'm talking Marion.
0: Oh, yeah, right. That'd be a
1: good way. Right. I'd, Some I'd, town I'd, that, I'd all, that, that they all yeah, hate. Yeah, not us. Yeah. I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about, Marion. Whoever, <laughs> you know. Throw a local thing in there. I did it tonight with Lenore. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people from Hickory right. who are here. in Asheville, Lenore. I mean, both, it's like a mountain town, but right. it's worlds apart. I used to work in Lenore, so I know. <laughs> right, it's yeah, cra- yeah, It's like that what you were just saying. Uh, so people like to go. Yeah, yeah, he's right. He's right. He's
0: right. Yeah. Well, they but, laughed. I was. Imp- yeah. I was like, that was kind of one of those like temperature takers with mm-hmm. your crowd. I didn't know how they were going to take it, and they yeah. and they definitely went with it. Um, I have a couple jokes where I'm like testing to see what they're going to do, and I have a couple yoga jokes, and like they were not. They didn't get it. I was like, okay, not a yoga crowd. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. And then, but I'm I'm used to it. Like I I that's that's something I've gotten into is like. Kind of commenting on their experience of my material while I'm on stage, you know. Right, right, um, right, right. But that only works if they like me. If they don't like me, they don't want to hear the commentary that's, that's or the material. That's true of everybody.
1: Yeah. If I mean, if they don't like you, they're not going to laugh at you. Yeah. And that that's true of any comedian every day, all the time. Even if it's like a comedian who's known for being like an angry person, you kind of have to like that they do that. You have to like that person before you can laugh at them that's that's true of everybody you know I, I think it's one of the reasons I won last comic standing was because I was a likable dude mm. people you know I was friendly I was always just I'm happy-go-lucky uh, yeah. I never I never you know uh, insulted any other of the comics uh, on the show I wasn't mean to anybody um, sometimes that did happen you know with other comedians like you know off the stage with the little challenges we had to do right you know there was some infighting but I never got a, I was never a part of any of that I was just like oh but I think that was great good if someone called me a name I go yeah yeah that's me I'm kind of like that <laughs> so I let it roll off me which made people go like oh, I kind of like that dude yeah. and then plus I happen to have some good material that helps <laughs> yeah but it helps so. though they, they, they have to like you they have to like you yeah if they don't like you they're not gonna laugh at
0: you All right, that's the end of part two. I hope you agree it was worth listening to. Uh, Man, I could have talked to that guy all night, but we had to go do our second set, which for me was not as fun as the first set, but uh, it was still just so great, and I would would be grateful for any opportunity I had to work with him again. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my friend Mike Ellis who produced the show and was kind enough to put me on it. I want to thank Bruce Sales who is editing these podcasts for me. It's not an easy task. And I'm not an easy guy, but, you know, there are worse people than me, and, and I unfortunately have met some of them. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for doing this. Keep tuning in. We're on um, all the podcast places, Apple and Stitcher, and I don't even I've lost track, uh, SoundCloud. Um, you can always just find us at learningtofail.com. And I've got a bunch of episodes that I've been waiting to release for way too long, shamefully long. So just hang in there and um, keep coming back. Keep listening. I'm glad you're here.
1: Worst bomb. Uh, probably I did, a, <laughs> I did a set. This was when I was a feature act, and I was just getting to get to be a headliner. So I was a great feature. Right. And I was on stage, and I was, I was killing. I was doing great. I could not do any wrong. And I was in a moment, and I had never really improved. I hadn't deviated from my set before, and I thought like, well, this is the time to do it. They really are on my side, and I'm like, man, you guys are great. And I was like, uh, who's got a cigarette? And then uh, I used to smoke, and then it's like, uh, five hundred cigarettes come flying on the stage. I'm like, oh, not that many, but like three. Yeah. I go, cool, and I pick up a cigarette off the floor. I go, thanks. I go, who's got a lighter? And then this dude like throws up a, a Zippo lighter. You know, yeah, I remember loop? him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, cool Zippo. You know any tricks? You know how you can do tricks with yeah. the Zippo. I go, you know any tricks? I know this one, and I started like hitting it on my leg. Like I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. Right, like I was just going to open it, but I happened to be, I happened to be sweaty, and I was doing this, and it slipped out of my hand as I was doing it real fast. And it, I mean, it w- went fast. It was like you know, the speed of light. It hit this girl right <laughs> in the forehead. No, was it lit? Did it light? You no, know, it didn't light. It didn't even open and it hit her flat on the forehead oof. but it went like boom and her head snapped back and she's like oh I go oh my god I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I I didn't know what to do right she would start crying oof, and I'm like can I get you oh my god what are, you know I didn't know what to do and I had I had to do 10 more minutes oof, and it it, did not, it was not good and I was just like I tried to do a joke and it was like no what you need to call like get an ambulance
0: oh like man she's
1: put she put her head on the table and i'm Oof. like <laughs> it should have dealt with her i mean it hit her head hard it was a big red square <laughs> on her. <laughs> that's so awful man like i mean i could have gone to jail you know i mean i think i could have got arrested um because i assaulted her well wow that's an accident. it was an accident it's an accident i mean there were a lot of witnesses but no, but I yeah. mean I could not follow that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's
0: hard. It's hard to follow your own violence on stage.
1: All I do is apologize for fifteen minutes. Oh man. Like I do a joke and I would go like guys, I'm so sorry. I just I've never hit anybody with a lighter. <laughs> and I go like, Are you okay? And after a while she got mad at me asking her if she's okay. She goes, I'm fine, just stop talking to me. Oh. Like it's embarrassing. Like I got you know and she's getting mad, I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. That is oh I didn't know what oh, to do. God. So, I, think I I don't do that anymore. I don't You don't, you know. <laughs> <I> don't <laughs> no Zippo asked for uh, lighters from the crowd.
0: That was a little bonus round with John Reap, He just he said a couple things that I really liked that I just didn't feel like I wanted to include in the main part of the podcast, but I did want to include them. So that was one, and here's one more and that's it. I'm done. No more from me today. I will be here for the next podcast, which hopefully will come out in the next couple weeks. All right, take care everybody. I just want to tell you, when, you know, uh, Carrie, the host, and I were talking, you are seriously one of the nicest people I've ever met. Thank you. And so genuinely nice. And I, I like to draw a distinction between people who are nice and people who are friendly. Yeah. And and in LA, lots of people are friendly. Right. But I find in the South that lots of people are nice. Yeah. And um, you're just a really, I mean, you're just a really good guy. I appreciate that you did the podcast. I like your attitude that, like... You've just decided if people ask, if you can do it, you will do it. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to people like me who are coming up, who Mm -hmm. are developing the podcast, who, like, you know, nobody knows or cares who I am. But we want that to change. And, like... I feel like the things I'm doing <laughs> have value, and uh, when someone like you generously gives their time
1: and sits down and does it, it means a lot, and I just want to thank yeah, you. Yeah, dude, my pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me, and one of these days, I'm going to have you Skype in or something, get on the, the country-ish podcast. Dude, anytime. I will drive to wherever no, I are. Oh, that's true. Go. You just come down to Hickory. Yeah, come I'm down, down, down to Hickory. You
0: let me know. I'll we'll be there. We'll do it, buddy. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you.